Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a gentleman on the West Coast with me, which is cool, over in Washington that started in the corporate life. And after a few years of that, realized that that was not the spot for him had that entrepreneur bug in him and really started crawling out of that space to be able to try some different things, right? And as you start experimenting and trying different new entrepreneur, different things that are going to fulfill you and actually pay the bills, he came across real estate. And what is really incredible is in just two years, this guy was able to build up this company to be able to really get over 150 deals locked in and a majority through wholesaling, but he's done everything else in between. He has 48 doors at this point that are buy and hold. And what's really cool behind that is just around $10 million in assets, which is awesome. So really excited to be able to pick this guy's brain today and really be able to see how the heck he did it in such a short time frame and how successful he's been able to obviously build the systems and everything else into play. You guys are going to learn a ton from this be smart and have something to write with right now so that you can really start jotting down your notes, questions to be able to ask Mike later on. But without further ado, Mike, what is happening, bro? How are we today? Doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. I'm uh, yeah, excited to, to dive into this. Yeah, I'm excited too. So for anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, what you're up to, do you mind just diving in that 10,000 foot view for the listeners? Yeah. So I'm an ex-corporate engineer sort of started corporate engineer, got into entrepreneurship, and now a relatively established real estate investor. And looking at where our business is at right now, we have a wholesale business, I guess, but we also buy a lot of rental properties. And we are operating currently in eight different markets around the country. We've done 150 transactions in the last, I guess, about two and a half years. So love it. So what markets are you in? Oh, man. So right now we are in Spokane, Washington. I'm in North Idaho. That's my home market where I live. We're over in Maine. We're in Pittsburgh. We're in Detroit, Michigan. We are in Colorado Springs. We are in Dayton, Ohio. We're also in San Antonio, Texas, Boise, Idaho. And is that all of them? Wow, bro. Uh, you are all over the place. We're yeah. all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, we're doing uh, some stuff in Oceanside, California. So actually your area. Let's go. Well, don't forget yeah. about me, bro. Now that you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're still buying, baby. So send them my right. way. Perfect. Yeah. I definitely will do. They're hard to find on there, but the margins are pretty solid because the yes. market is so expensive. Yes. Yes. I don't do any wholesaling, but we do the burst strategy. And out here, obviously, to make that work, we need to do short-term rentals, right? Like Airbnb and so forth. So that's starting yeah. to crack down a little bit in our area. But when there's a will, there's a way. We'll always figure it out. Yeah. However, a lot of our wholesalers, we paid out like 40, 50K on certain deals. And just like you said, it is more difficult. The costs to get these leads are closer to like 10K for you guys. So I get it. Yeah. And it's challenging. And then it's the nature of the sellers there as well, sure. because there's a lot of older people, they're savvy. You know, they know that California is desirable. A lot of stuff that's owned in like trusts of different businesses, things like yeah. that. So it's a yeah. different conversation than, you know, dealing with some of the North Idaho people, which are like, you know, meth houses, right? Yeah, yeah. Super different conversation. 
And I'm so sorry for anybody over there right now. We are not beating the hell out of you. We're just telling it how it is. You guys know yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. We exactly. have meth houses out here too, though, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, those are still savvy investors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So. so talk to me, man. Why real estate for you? Actually, yeah. I, I want to dive into that, but like while we're on track here, how and why so many different markets? So as we started to scale our business, you know, we got relatively established in Spokane and North Idaho. And like our market isn't incredibly big. It's about half a million people. Okay. And so we reached a point where we had kind of saturated our own marketing. Yeah. Right? Like we were hitting everyone that we possibly could. And basically to keep getting more opportunity to keep scaling, we were just spending more and more money for like a smaller piece of the pie. So we said, why are we doing that here? Why don't we yeah. instead take our systems that we know work and go and drop it into other markets and get like the lower hanging fruit there? And the markets that we chose were primarily due to um, strategic partnerships that I've established. Sure. Just from being a part of different masterminds and groups and things like that. So we'd find someone that was a key buyer in these markets and we would just go over there and start working with them exclusively. And then, you know, they just make it an easier transition instead of having to learn neighborhoods, having to, you know, make connections, all that sort of stuff. We already have that with this one key person. So I love um, it. Yeah. And there's so much power in mastermind groups, right? We run our own, but we also are in like dozens of other masterminds over the years. Yeah. And the networking is incredible. And that's how you can start branching off and, and really growing in, in many different ways. But okay, so why real estate for you? You're in the corporate space. You tried a bunch of different entrepreneur stuff afterwards and then you found real estate like was there any friends family members that were doing it how'd you get inspired no, i was actually like the first person in my family to do any sort of real estate investing i had some friends that did it kind of loosely not at the scale that i sort of have gotten to now yeah but i ended up doing real estate so you know when i worked on my corporate engineering career i did that for about five years you know and i had jobs like so i worked at like boeing you know i worked at a public utility here i had jobs that people sort of like strive for. It's like a life goal job, you know, golden yeah. handcuffs, you're making super good money, didn't have to work that hard. You had all the benefits, all that sort of stuff. And it just sucked. Like I yeah. hated it. <laughs> it just sucked. You yeah. start not being fulfilled. You start being lazy. Oh, it's like, yeah, you see some of these other workers in their top industry and it's like, they just start slacking off. They, you know, falling apart in all other areas. It's not fulfilling, right? It's really not. And then, you know, you have some upside with your pay, but it's ultimately limited unless you get to like a C-suite level, right? Sure. You know, at yeah. that point you can make fat money with, you know, stock options, things like that. But I would connect with other people. I actually go back. I visited one of my friends who was stationed down in uh, Southern California. He was in the Air Force and I connected with some of their friends down there and everyone had like their jobs and all this sort of stuff that they did. But one of the days it was like a Thursday and we went out and hung out with one of their friends on his boat. And I was just like, okay, everyone else is at work. You know, my yeah. buddy took his time off. I'm here on time off. This guy just offered to take out on his boat on like a Thursday. Yeah. So I got, I got talking to him and he's like, uh, like you know, what the like, hell is this guy doing? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he had some rental properties. His main business was like cash for gold sort of businesses, like, you know, all sorts of unique things he did. He had vending machines yeah. and that sort of got me realizing like, okay, this guy's an entrepreneur. He makes his own money. I need yeah. to sort of start to look into that. He and makes that his own was, money. He yeah. saves his own time. He does it whatever he wants with whoever he wants. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was actually about two years before I ended up leaving my corporate job, but it got okay. me thinking. So I spent those next two years reading books about entrepreneurship. You know, I read like four hour work week. I got into, yeah. you know, financial independence community and all that sort of stuff. And then ultimately, in January 2018, I basically just said, like, I'm done with this. I don't sure. want to be an engineer anymore. So I just 
jumped, you know, and I had no sort of like legitimate plan at that point. Real estate wasn't even really on my radar at that point. What did wifey tell you at the time? How was she feeling? She was actually the easy one to talk to because um, good woman. I mean, I love that. Yeah. I was just so miserable in my yeah. job. And like, she was like, well, if it means you're going to be happier, then it makes sense. Like Find it's worth giving up. up. Yeah, yeah. It's worth giving up 75% of our income to, uh, yeah. you know, take that risk and for me to figure it out. So I love it. Yeah. So when I left, I dabbled in a bunch of different stuff, you know, tried to get into like, you know, e-commerce and drop shipping and yeah. affiliate marketing and pretty much anything that like any Instagram guru tells you is like to get rich quick. <laughs> I dabbled in all those sort of things. And then ultimately I started working for a tech startup. And I was like, you know, I taught myself how to do some basic coding and I had a little bit of a tech background. So I started working for this tech startup and it was early phase, which basically means that, you know, well, they say you're working for equity, which means you don't make anything, right? Yeah. I was bought into the product and was doing this whole thing. And I ultimately said like passive income, what's the easiest way that I think I could do that with the most limited amount of work. And I was like, well, if I bought some rental properties, that would be the way to do it. I didn't really have, any cash at that point. I'd already quit my job. I had reserves, but I did have a corporate 401k that had, you know, from being an engineer for five years, I had some significant money. So I said, what if I just liquidate this, pay the fees, and then go and put it into these couple, first couple of rental properties, mm. which is what I did. And, you know, when I bought those, I had no idea how to analyze real estate. I bought these like two turnkey properties in town that were like new builds, you know, like all intense purposes. They were actually pretty bad first investments because they <gasps> tied up all of my capital. Yeah. And they didn't cash flow nearly as much as I thought because I didn't know how to analyze a deal. Sure. But it kind of got me the bug a little bit once I figured it out because I started getting some mailbox money and all those other yep. sort of things. So, you know, I was still working for the startup. And then as I started connecting more in real estate and t- meeting people, I would meet these people that were like one or two man shows that were making, you know, super big money, like, you know, $50,000, $100,000 at a time, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year flipping houses. Yep. So I was like, Okay, so I'm trying to do this tech startup thing where basically I need to just pray that we get private equity. You know, I just need to hope that somehow it all comes together and people are interested in investing in our product and using our product. Or I could go myself and make like legitimate money just like flipping these houses, just, you know, trying to figure that whole thing out. So I basically made the pivot 2019. I didn't have any money at that point. So I went to real estate meetups and just started to try and, I guess, build myself as being someone who was involved in the space. Mm-hmm. And I said like, Hey, look, I know I got hustle. I own a couple of properties. I want to flip houses. And ultimately I connected with someone that had money and yeah. they wanted to flip houses. I had the hustle and I had the time and I want to flip houses. So we said, cool, let's buy a house together and flip it and I'll do all the work and we'll split it 50, 50. Okay. So that I was sort it. of how I got into it. And again, I didn't know what I didn't know. So like yeah. first couple houses, I was just going, I guess very first house, school youtube i was just trying to figure stuff out trusting contractors way too much yeah Spent four and a half months flip it and i made forty two hundred dollars so that was a little all bit. in right afterwards <laughs> right <laughs> yeah right and of course it was all the way across town i guarantee you that i spent more money on gas alone gas, just yeah. uh you know just than i actually made on that deal but you know learned a lot from it next one you made you know about forty five thousand that we split with our partner third one after that i think we split 60. And from there, we were kind of off to the races because I'd sort of started to build a process and I'd built a nest egg with it, right? That yeah. I could start using to invest. And then that was sort of my, I would say like trial by fire into the real estate investing business. But at that point I was all bought in. So early 2020, deals are getting sparse. I'd always been buying from, buying off market, buying from wholesalers, things like that. And 
after I connected with some of the wholesalers, I was like, I can be this guy. Like there's, this guy's not smarter than me. He just has a different system, a different process. So I decided that I was going to become that guy. And so we officially started this business in 2020. We joined a mastermind for it, which was like, honestly, the game changing moment for me. Spent five months trying to figure it out before we got our first deal. We were about $25,000 in the hole on marketing and business expenses before we finally got our first deal. Yeah. But then, so that we got our first deal that closed in June of 2020. We closed a couple more in July, closed one more in August and September each. And then October, all of it sort of came together. The compounding effect of the systems marketing we've been doing, we had our first six-figure month in October. Let's go. And, wow. and from in, there... In 2020, yeah. when mm-hmm. everything else is you know falling apart. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was definitely to our benefit as well, because so oh, yeah. many people had tapped out of the market yeah. and we were there to pick up the pieces. So, you know, and that was all doing exclusively wholesale. Yeah, we had our first six figure month in 2020. And then from there, we had big money to start scaling. And oh, yeah, you know, we are where we are. So I love it, bro. So you mentioned so many good things. I didn't want to cut you off, though, because you were yeah. on like a roll and I was like, Dan, this is really good. So I appreciate it. Quick, like bullet points, the mastermind group. Do you mind sharing like which one helps yeah. so much? Yeah. So it was the Ryan Dossie's group, Create cool. Cashflow. So yeah, Ryan Dossie's awesome. Super good personal friend of mine. And you know, I'm still active in that group today. Love it. And then the 401k. Now mm-hmm. for anybody out there that like in the same shoes, right? That like they were working the corporate, they want to get the hell out of it, right? They want something new. They're trying to get into real estate. Would you have done anything different with that 401k? Do you have any regrets on that? Or do you recommend somebody else to do exactly the same thing? Well, you kind of have to like, I guess, believe in yourself and like have an intention with it. But I wouldn't sure. say just liquidate it if you don't. I mean, be honest with yourself. Like, are you yes, going to grind? Please. Are you going to do something with that money? Yep. Absolutely. But like, so, I, you know, I had like 120 grand or something in there. Yep. And when I pulled it out, I had to pay all the taxes that I didn't pay over the previous five years. Yep. Plus I had to pay the 10% penalty. So I ended up leaving was like 85 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, so you're investing in yourself right there. Like you're betting, exactly. you're putting all your eggs or whatever in like that basket of you. Yeah. Which, yep. which, which is crucial. So like, be honest with yourself, just like you're saying, right? Yeah, 100%. And if you're, cause if you just pull that out and you just pay all that money for no reason, like that's kind of pointless. But at sure. the same time, like I've been able to turn that $85,000 that I had into my $10 million portfolio now. So that's yeah. a significantly so you higher people. ROI. Yeah. yeah you you do the, the math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the reason I bring it up is because I know there's other creative options that somebody listening, they might have not considered or thought of. I think it's a brilliant option to do that. And I don't have a 401k, so I can't even really speak on this. But my two cents behind this is what about potentially considering transferring it into a self-directed IRA? Mm-hmm that you could loan out against to your entity, like your company. And then obviously it needs to be paid back, but you would get that full amount versus paying the penalties and so forth. So there's different ways to skin the cat, ladies and gentlemen. But but at the end of the day, like betting on yourself too, I think there's a stronger pain point behind that. Like it's a do or die situation. Like, are you going to allow this 90K to be able to go washed away or are you going to give it your full all? which I love that approach. I'm the same exact way. It's like, if I say I'm going to do it, let's let's go all in. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. And the self-directed route, I did look at that briefly. The yeah. problem was like with the payments and everything that I would have need to have, I wouldn't have been able to cash flow on the properties I was looking at. True. Right. So, yeah. you know, and ultimately at that point in time, 
my goal was to have money coming into my bank account because I was still focused on the startup thing. Yeah. And then, so it just wouldn't have made sense for me. to Yeah. Do that. That's so good. I love it. See, so I know after you said coding, I already knew you're a smart guy. Okay. So you looked into the different options, which is, it's very important as well. And then you talked about finding your partner, finding money partners as well at the RIA groups, right? And yep. I can't state this enough. Like I know a lot of my buddies have raised like millions upon millions whenever they get the opportunity to speak at a RIA group. And we have had similar situations, but there is money at these groups. There's investors, there's people that want to be a part of this. So it's like, get there talk your game, know your stuff, be educated, YouTube, your face off books, podcast like this. And then, you know, talk the talk once you get there and you'll be able to find that missing piece of whatever you need in your business. So I really love that aspect. Yeah. The power of networking, especially when it comes to in face stuff like that is super huge. Like, you know, 2018, 2019, people didn't really connect virtually like this. Everyone's gotten so much more comfortable with that over the past yes. couple of years. And it's funny because like, all the different partners that we have now, the different markets, most of those people I've never met in person before mm. because we're comfortable doing it this way and we're able to establish key partnerships like that. But there's still a lot of value to be said to be able to go up and shake hands with somebody, you know, oh. have a drink with somebody. And that's like such a great way to get started no matter what you're looking for, whether you're looking for deals, you're looking for money, you're looking yeah. for contractors, you're looking for, you know, I don't know, a realtor, whatever it is. Like that's one of the easiest ways people can get started in this business. Yeah. I think it's priceless. We've got so comfortable with the Zoom and like video, but when, you know, the body language in person, shaking somebody's hand, networking, connecting over a drink or some food, like all of that, it adds tremendous value. So you can't put a, a price on that. Your next business partner, just like you or whatever you're missing, could be at those meetings. And I even used to volunteer at those meetings and still occasionally go back and forth. So there's tremendous value, great networking, and just get your butts there if, if you are getting started in real estate by all means. Mike, I want to talk about the systems in place and your team overall. I know you got a ton of different members in place, and I know building any type of business, there's always a system, there's you know procedures in place to make sure it's well-oiled and, and uh, functioning properly. Anybody out there that's interested in wholesaling, or doing exactly what you did to get started. Do you have like that playbook or like a step by step or something that you think would be beneficial? Yeah, the 10 30,000 foot view type of approach. Yeah. So I mean, at its core, it's really simple, right? Like, if you look at finding off market real estate, and the first thing I'll say to you is, even if you're a casual investor, you should absolutely look at acquiring real estate off market. Please. Because that's where real wealth is made. Yes. You know, like, like that's how one of the reasons our portfolio has grown so much. And like something, the thing I'll say about our portfolio, just under $10 million in value. It was over, but you know, the market's brought it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But our total cash into the whole portfolio is just under 400000 okay. So our total cash into like this, you know, portfolio is really small. It's like, what's that, 5%? No. So yeah. it's yeah. nothing, right? And so like, but that's only possible because we were doing this off market. And because we were getting these large discounts, but the general process is really simple. I mean, it's basically three steps, right? You choose the kind of properties that you want to buy, you know, whether that's multifamily, single families, land, commercial, whatever you choose the marketing strategy you're going to do, yep. whether you're going to call them, you know, you're going to send them mail, you do whatever. And then you contact that person and you yeah. talk to them and you have yeah. a conversation. Like it's really, really simple and everyone, really simple. Yeah, yeah, don't overcomplicate and, this. People. Totally. Yeah. And people always try to do these really grand sort of like 
complex campaigns where they're like, I'm going to call them the first day, then I'm going to mail them, then I'm going to text them, then I'm going to, you know, put them into an email funnel and do all those things. Yeah. It's like, it's not rocket science. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so sure, like all that, those things down the road, like to, yeah. you know, make it even tight and like, you know, there's algorithms towards everything that can be beneficial and improve. But at the end of the day, if you're just getting started, let's really like simplify this, right? It's very simple. Just get straight to the point. Yeah, it, well, totally. And I think especially when you're new, everyone's always looking for secret sauce. Yeah. Um, but like we've been doing like the, you know, most uninteresting sort of like marketing and strategies for the last three years. And we've been very successful with it because it's all just consistency over time. And then, you know, solving people's problems at the core of it. Right. Yes. So solve people's problems. That's good. Yeah. So the main systems behind it, direct mail is like our core marketing. We just found that we like the inbound marketing the best where people call us because they've already established themselves of having some level of motivation when they reach out to us. Yeah. We do do outbound marketing, you know, calling and texting and internet stuff. But if you look at the number of deals that we get from that and the amount of time that my sales guys spend working those leads, hmm. it is definitely a less of an ROI than our direct mail. So what, what's sort of funny behind that? Sorry yeah. to cut you off. What's funny oh, behind good. that is like in all different types of markets, it really will depend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's really weird because we've seen amazing ROI on text blasts from a lot of our friends that are, are focusing on wholesaling, you know, or PPC, you know, it really mm -hmm. just depends. But in your markets that you're hitting, it's working tremendously. Like you guys got something down when it comes down to direct mail, which is awesome. Yeah, I think it, you have to look at kind of the culture of the people that live where you are. For example, San Diego, yeah. it's going to be generally higher income. A lot of people, people are more tech inclined, you know, that's kind of the people that live there. But if you look at, for example, North Idaho, when we just thought in Maine, they're more rural areas. Yeah. People aren't exactly spending a lot of time going on the computer, going on Google and typing in, how do I sell my house fast? Yeah, yeah. So don't, don't waste your time doing PPC there. No. You know, or like we regularly get sellers in those <laughs> markets that they don't have a cell phone. Yeah. So we can't even contact them via text, right? Um, like we, there's literally sellers that we've worked with. They only have a landline. They don't even have an email. So when we need to get documents to them, we have to like fax it to the local post office and they'll go there and like pick it up and sign the documents and then fax it back to us. You know, it's just like, it just, you have to wow. sort of see. You got to get creative and figure out yeah. how are we going to get this done? They have a problem. It sounds like the more that you listen to them, they got more problems that we got to figure out. They don't have a damn yeah. email or a cell phone. So, yeah. you know, it, you got to be creative and figure it out, solve the problem. Yeah. Exactly. And that isn't even necessarily the fact that like the town doesn't support them having like internet or things like that. Like this yes. can be in, you know, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, yeah. which is like a city. There's, you know, 40,000 people that live there. There's people that have tech jobs, but their neighbor who's been there for their entire time and has a trashed house, you know, and is older and just like needs to get out of it. Yeah. They've never just adapted to the times, right? Because they haven't yep. needed to. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the, one of the easiest ways to sort of figure out the marketing to use. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you sort of have to just do an honest reflection on what kind of people live where you're trying to buy and just adjust yeah. things to that. Yeah, I love that. So talk to me about the team members. How many people do you have on the team right now? And what type of roles and responsibilities does it kind of lay out? Yeah, so I was funny. You asked me this before and I was had to do the math because we had 17 people. We had yeah. to lean out a little bit as the market turned and we sure. had to pull out of a couple of places. So, you know, it's me and my business partner. So I basically lead the acquisitions team. My okay. business partner leads the dispositions side of the business. And then he also manages our, our properties that we buy. And then on the acquisition side, we have three sales reps. 
that are basically full-time acquisition managers that are closing deals. We have two VAs that are our lead managers. So they basically monitor our CRM, make sure stuff gets followed up in an appropriate time. They will engage when text messages comes in and things like that and like seek to gather information from leads that have sort of like fallen off or who aren't answering calls anymore, they'll reach out to them. Then we have a transaction coordinator who, you know, who handles a lot of like the dispo transactions, like getting paperwork where it needs to go. Then we have a social media VA that does a lot of our postings and our online retargeting ads and that sort of stuff. And then we have a graphic designer and developer who does like our, you know, website maintenance, you know, make sure that all of our stuff gets posted, our website's up and running and all that sort of stuff. And I will say the only people that are United States employees, are, I guess, are me and my business partner and our sales guys. Everyone else is overseas. So, so even we, your sales guys? Yeah, they're in the US. Yeah, but they're all virtual. So okay. we, we have one sales guy that's local here. One lives in uh, actually Orange County, California, just north of you. And then one lives in Colorado. But they all work in markets that are, you know, all around and we just do everything virtually. I love it. Yeah. OC sales guys are the best. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah. He, um, he, he, he does well. It's it he works perfect well. too, because he's, he's a little bit older and he likes to wake up early. So he just works yeah. all of our East coast stuff. So he's calling people at 5am his time when it's 8am over there. And that's just yeah. his jam. So I love it. Yeah. That great win-win. As you've been building up the company in the last two years, two, three years, you know, what, what type of learning curves have you come across, especially as you're like hiring or firing and, and really growing this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest learning curve, I would say the main thing that we realized was how important it is to hire people for like the, I would say like the day-to-day tasks that just take a lot of time. Yeah. I think especially when you are starting out and you're not making like a lot of money yet, you know, you know, even, you know, making very little money, even let's say, but you're spending so much of your time doing things like trying to call leads that haven't answered you for a month, or you're trying to do things like, you know, managing your data or pulling fresh data, all this sort of stuff that really can be documented and outsourced to a VA for like $5 an hour. Yeah. When we started making those changes, that was kind of the first time our business started to really change. And then the second thing is sales. If you're not a sales guy and you want to do this business, like you want to do off-market real mm-hmm. estate, go find a sales guy. Yeah, <laughs> Even yeah, it, please. <laughs> like, like, honestly, that first six-figure <laughs> month that we had, that was actually the difference for us was, we were really struggling ending out September. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had $4,500 in our bank account at that point, in our business bank accounts. So we were doing really bad. I actually went to this mastermind meetup with Ryan down in Florida. We, you know, I went down there and we we're going through our CRM and he was like, like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was like, why aren't you closing these? And we listened to some of my calls. He's like, bro, I think you just suck. It's like, you're <laughs> a bad sales guy. Yeah. And he's like, all right, your challenge when you get back is to go find one. So we went back and we, you know, I was like, I don't know how to hire a sales guy. I don't even know what that needs to look like. We yeah. posted the job listing. We interviewed a bunch of people. And we actually ended up bringing in this uh, um, this lady. She was a had no real estate experience. She was a bartender. She just had like good personal skills, yeah. right? Yep. And we we're like, I mean, I feel like she'll mesh really well with our sellers. And so we just brought her in, plugged her into our system, you know, kind of taught her how to use it. She had seven signed around contracts in the first two weeks. Really? Because <laughs> because she knew how to how to do sales and how to relate yeah. to people and how to close. Yeah. And that was when we were like, oh, oh there, that's that's the key. We found <laughs> the thing that we suck at. Let's yeah. bring in somebody to do that. So that was that's the biggest funny. thing that we learned was to don't be afraid to find your weaknesses and go that who not how method. Like yeah. bring in someone to do the things that you're not effective at. 
Let, let uh, me ask, did you actually enjoy yeah. doing the sales calls and like no. enjoy the, yeah, like, so you weren't good it. at it and you <laughs> hated it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. fulfilling in any way. So yeah. acknowledge, write on a piece of paper if you can't think about it. And sometimes we, we always keep so much up here instead of like writing things out. But when you really write this out and you see like the things that you're good at, the things that you like and enjoy spending time on versus all the other things that you're not good at, that you hate, that like it's annoying. Those are the things you want to get rid of ASAP. And if it's very, very crucial, important, like heavy moving pieces like sales and marketing, then you got to get that that part out right away to really keep the business afloat, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you're in a position where you don't have the money to bring someone on and pay them, I mean, the great thing about sales job is you can justify paying them a commission. Yeah. Right. But I will say that if you're new, new, you don't have any like leads on the back burner yet. You don't have any lead generation yet. You're realistically going to need to bring someone in and have them have a lot more stake in the game. Sure. So whether that's like a partner or like a larger commission, things like that, because they are going to need to be patient. But if you're someone that's like, you know, marketing, you've built up some leads, you have like kind of like we were, we had eight months, nine months worth of leads at that point, And we just weren't able to close. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to bring someone in, offer them a super low base. So, um, you know, it's like a base that pays their bills, but not enough that they're going to be falling out. Right. Yeah. And then you go in and then they have to earn their money. You know, it's so like when we brought her and we had laid out $4,500 in the business bank account, our base that we we're going to pay her was three grand a month. And we were like, so she doesn't close things in the first month. We're going to be out of money. She's not going to be able to market for the next month. And we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. And sure enough, she came in. I think her first paycheck was like 14 grand. So she was pretty stoked. Yeah. So it's just, you kind of have to be honest about that situation. And, you know, if it does mean that to get into that zone where you're able to bring someone in, that's going to help you scale, you have to give up a little bit of your business. Like that's okay. You know, because what do they say? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. You know, just let's lean into that as much as you can. Yeah, that's good. Talk to me. Where did you actually find those leads? Like, where were you posting to find the talent? Yeah. So that's trying to think. That one we found on Wise Hire. I thought um, you were gonna say like by the local bar, bro. Like she was a bartender. No, I told you. No, <laughs> no. We we found her on Wise Hire. Our more recent people we have found through real estate meetups, actually. Yeah. And just for referrals from that. So like we haven't actually posted a job listing for quite a while. And even all of our VAs now, you know, we started with like one and we're looking to bring another one and they say like, oh, I got a friend that, you know, would be happy to come work with us and you bring them in, you know, and then you do that. And it does get a little bit messy sometimes because if you have ones that aren't performing and you have to cut them, it does get a little bit weird with the other ones. Mm -hmm. But I mean, ultimately though, if you can get referrals, that's the easiest way to bring sure. in people that, you know, without having to like go through the whole interview process and being a bunch of people, you don't even know they're interested. Yeah. Especially these days where it's hard to find employees, but the people that want jobs that are searching for them, they want them really badly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had people that we've have, like, I guess, reached out looking for jobs and things like that. And they don't even know like what we do. All they know is that they've heard me talk something like this and that I have people that work for me that make okay money. Yeah. And they just like, you know, but it, it, it's always, <laughs> Hey, can we do like, this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's always like a time wasting situation what? though. Yeah. Now, do you run them through like personality tests or do you have SOPs in place to really help guide them for the onboarding? Yeah. So we have some basic SOPs. We don't do the personality tests. We did for a little bit. And I don't know. I just, I don't find personally a lot of benefit in them. I think for like a large corporate structure, that makes a little bit better. Cause like really with the size that we're at, what I need is I need someone that, you know, I kind of mesh with pretty well because we're going to be working very tightly with yeah. them. 
and someone that wants to hustle ultimately. Right. And so really my main interview process is first call. I sort of like see if I vibe with them or not. If I don't, then I don't come back second one. And then second call, I'll go through, ask specifics, ask about what their goals are, what they want to do. And then honestly, my typical practice is I bring them in for like a week or two and we just do like a trial by fire. And I basically say like, okay, look, you know, we're going to pay for these two weeks, but we're going to see how you perform and your job isn't going to necessarily be guaranteed after these yeah, yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's like a tryout, right? And typically through that people just with like the vibe test is packed. People, you come in and perform pretty well. I haven't had to drop anybody after the first two weeks yet. Oh, um, nice. So uh, it's that I third week like, where they start slacking off and then you're like, you're out. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the four month mark where that's yeah. where everyone starts to get a little bit, you know, into the routine. They know the business. They're maybe a little bit bored with it. But that's also, you know, that's another thing that we've learned, too, is make sure that you have checks and balances, that you have KPIs that you're monitoring. For yeah. People, right. That you have like regular check ins. So and and that's that not just for the them. business. That's like for each employee. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For each employee. Right. So, yeah. we know, like for sales guys, how many dials are they making? Do yeah. All of their leads have tasks associated with them. You know, for our lead, our lead managers, are there like how many comments are they making every single day on the leads? Like, are there ones that are showing that they haven't engaged with them in an appropriate amount of time? Sure. Just, yeah. Just little things like that, that you can set up your system so you can do a quick glance over and see if they are actually doing what they need to do. Yeah. And then if they aren't, this is another thing that I always find interesting with like small entrepreneurs is they'll like be all angry and they're like, oh, you know, my whatever isn't performing. I'm like, well, have you asked them why? Yeah. Like have a, have a conversation because who knows? Yeah. Maybe something bad happened at home. Like maybe yeah. they're going through some stuff in life, you know? Exactly. Right. Or, you know, yeah. some sometimes what one thing we'll find is that there was something that actually changed in the system, like our CRM that, that we didn't even notice. And they're like, oh, it doesn't let me do this the same anymore. And they don't actually understand the new process. Mm. But instead of reaching out because they're worried about, you know, having to break the rhythm or things like that, they just sort of let it fester until it turns into a problem. A problem. Yeah. 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 That's good. Are you guys doing like weekly meetings or a couple of times throughout the week? Yeah. So we do a daily kickoff because we're all virtual. I think that's super important. You know, it's not long. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 30. And, you know, we just sort of check in with everyone. How's everyone doing? We talk about deals, have all that sort of stuff. And then that's really it for meetings. We don't cool. do like big weekly meetings or anything like that. If we do need to have a bigger conversation, we'll just work it into that morning call. And it keeps it pretty simple. I love it. Cool, man. So where do you see yourself going in the future with this stuff? And let me ask with the market right now, yeah. wholesaling is getting tough, man. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that they can't get the product off to buyers, right? There's a lot of people sitting yep. on the sidelines. So how are you guys staying afloat with that? Yeah. So that has been our biggest problem for sure. I mean, like right as the market started to turn, like June, July, we had to cut about five or six deals that we had under contract, which was unfortunate yeah. just because they were at numbers. I, I would say all those ones, they had like kind of longer closings. So we'd had them under contract for 45 or 60 days. And some of them, we actually had buyers that backed out on us Yep. because, you know, the market started turn, they didn't like the deals anymore. So, you know, we've had to adjust the way that we're making offers. We had to adjust the way that we're running our comps. So like the main way we run comps now, we don't look at any historical comps. Pretty much we look at honestly what stuff is currently pending for. Yeah. And then then we drop five to 10%, just depending on the neighborhood. And then we make that our ARV. And then aside from that, we will add in, you know, a lot of people will do like 75% of ARV minus repairs. We'll lean more towards like 70% minus repairs now, just so there's a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah. And then the biggest change we've made though on the disco side 
we don't really blast stuff out to the big list that often anymore. Like, you know, we did what a lot of wholesalers do for a while. You send it out to the big email list, you all that sort of stuff, or we have like our VIP buyers and we would just send it to all of them. But realistically, what we do is we've identified the people that are still buying and we will actually just like go to them and we will say like, Hey, you know, what kind of stuff are you looking for? Yes. Like what sort of margins are you wanting? And then when we find opportunities that fit their boxes, we just go to them directly and we say, what would you buy this for? Yeah. And they'll say, like, I'll buy for 200 grand. I'm like, cool. So we'll go and try to get it for below that. So yeah. we're almost like going to the buyers first as the opportunities come through as like before we start to negotiate. I love that. That's, that's very smart just to make sure that you have that wiggle room and you can kind of almost get their commitment verbally first and then go back and, you know, lock in those deals. So that's great. Yep, exactly. And then, I mean, for a lot of those people too, like they are... They're wanting deals still, especially the professional flippers we work with. That's how they make money. Yeah. Or like if they're looking to scale a portfolio still. So, you know, if they give you a number and you come back and you offer it to them at that, a lot of them are like, I've, I've had people in our, in our group ask us this, like, well, what happens if they back out and you shut the deal for them? It's like, they're probably not going to do that because they're not going to want to burn the bridge. They know that you're not going to come back to them again if they do. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and honestly, if they do burn you on it, let them know that that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So. You know, also, there's got to be justification from it. Like if the market's yeah. still going down and it was a month later, then they better bring that up and say, otherwise, mm -hmm. it's like, dude, you told me last week that you were good at this number. I got it at that number. You know, like, yeah. come on, don't play games yeah. with me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. so when it comes down to your VIP list, how many people do you like to have on there? So back then, I guess last year we had 10 to 12. Yeah. I mean, we sold, we did 48 deals last year. We're at 70 something this year. And I would say out of those, probably 35 of them, we sold to like our main 10 people. Cool. So, you know, that was, it just so, so easy. They're people that are established. They have their funding lined up. Most of them buy sight unseen. Yeah. And even still, I don't buy sight unseen. I send them some photos and we know kind of the stuff that they want to see. So we've been doing this long enough. And, you know, it just avoids the situations like so many wholesalers, what they'll do is they'll try to squeeze like an extra five grand out of the deal by like having like a walkthrough. But then you got to explain to the homeowner why there's 12 people there yeah, or even more than that. And it's just like, it's sleazy and it's that. weird. Yeah. Don't do that. You Don't know, it's like, it's that. just super <laughs> odd vibe. So uh, yeah, and we just go to there and then in the, all the different markets that we're doing now, because we have partners. They always get first crack at it because they're like our partner. And then if they don't want it, then they'll have connections that they go on and move stuff to. So cool. I love it. So where with the markets that you're in, the partnerships that you're in, the I mean the rental portfolio, all these amazing things that you got going on right now in such a short time frame. Where do you yeah. see yourself in the next several years? Yeah. So we talked about, I guess it's sort of like our big hair audacious goal. We think it'd be cool to be doing it in all 50 states. So that's something Ooh. that we have started to make moves for. I mean, that's one of those things that like how feasible is it? I don't know, but it, it's also like, that's like a pretty cool, like braggy metric to say. Yeah, yeah. The states, right? So yeah. we're sort of making moves towards that. And then aside from that, in terms of our portfolio, you know, we have 48 units right now. They're almost exclusively like small multifamilies and single families. So, you know, duplexes, triplexes, single, uh, single family homes. And then we do have like an eight unit and a six unit, but we're looking to get into some larger stuff. Cool. So we're planning to start marketing for uh, some triple net commercial and things like that. And we've started a fund that we're looking to start raising money for, you know, that's kind of like our next zone. And then, I mean, going forward as well, now that my business is operating, you know, the staff knows what they're doing, we're doing pretty well. I started my passion project last year, which is my own podcast. So uh, it's a collecting keys, real estate investing podcast. Um, and we've been doing that for just over a year now. 
and we're looking to to grow that and keep scaling that as well because i mean this is what i like to do honestly is like come on talk to people like you yep. talk to other investors and just like network this way i think is super fun so that's a big priority of mine over the next little bit as well yeah that's why you left corporate damn it you want to you yeah. know have fun and uh <laughs> and do it on your own time i love it exactly uh, cool man how can people get a hold of you any social media links or however you want to plug it yeah so if you want to hear a little bit more about what we do definitely yeah. go check out my podcast collecting keys podcast you can listen, get it anywhere that you listen to podcasts you can also email me if that's your jam at mike at collecting keys podcast.com if you're into social media instagram is my main social media you can dm me at mike underscore invests and i'm always happy to chat with people on there so i love it mike Bro, you just gave like so much knowledge. I got a whole damn page here of uh, a bunch of notes. You gave an hour of your time. Is there anything that myself or, or the listeners could do to give back to you? I don't think so. Honestly, just like, just reach out, say what's up. Like, I love to hear about what other people are doing in different yeah. markets. Like some of the, the best connections I've actually made have been recently with people on Instagram who have reached out and we've exchanged some knowledge or actually even I've even picked up two of our partners that we've started working with came directly from Instagram. They heard me on different shows and they came on and we started working with them in their market. So honestly, don't be afraid to reach out that way. Aside from that, go check out the show. Like I yeah. said, that's one of my one of my big goals is to grow that this year. So anyone who wants to go check that out, that would be great. Love it, bro. Well, I appreciate your time today. I know all the listeners, I know you guys got a ton of value from this. So make sure you reach out to Mike and plug in by all means. If you guys want to connect with me, you can always do it on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you're looking to really get educated on credit, everything that we have, we got the whole keys on credit, on really understanding how the banks and lenders are judging you so you know how to flip the script on the banks and get several six figures, even seven figures in funding within six to 12 months at 0% interest so that you can leverage it and purchase real estate with credit cards. Like buying real estate with credit intelligently, calculated risk, 0% interest, 12, 15, 18, 22 months, all this and so much more, fixing credit faster than anyone in the industry, and then being able to leverage it, even travel hacking and so forth. If you guys are interested in that even slightly, then check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. There is a webinar on there that is totally free. You'll be able to see all of the full possibilities that we teach in Credit Council Elite in our mastermind group and see how much it can truly change your life forever. So that's creditcounselelite.com. It's an hour webinar. Check it out. If you have any questions, you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one call afterwards. As always, though, thank you so much for joining today. And hit that subscribe button to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. You'll get the newest notification every single Monday. Leave that five-star review afterwards. I appreciate all the love and support. So many of you guys have been leaving the five-star review and subscribing lately. And we are just greatly appreciate all the love and support and sharing this out, tagging somebody in that needs to see it to get them the breakthroughs. We are very passionate about educating, motivating, and preparing you to take action in real estate, change your life just like it has for me and Mike. And today was an excellent episode. So Mike, appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. Till next time, guys, stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.